0: Welcome to the legal merry-go-round, where you can learn to avoid the downs and savor the ups. Here, 40-year veteran attorney Paul Samico will entertain you and help you understand the law in areas we might all face: brushes with the police, oh boy; family disputes, oh no; An injury and in accident situations, ouch. And now, here's
1: Paul. Well, good afternoon, or good morning, or good evening, who knows when you're listening to this, but you are listening to The Legal Merry-Go-Round, and today is Wrongdoer Wednesday. That's right, I'm going to talk about something that has to do with things in the world of criminal law. I am your host. My name is Paul Samico. I'm an attorney. And on some level, having had the experience of being a criminal law attorney in the first four, five, six years or so of my law practice, I have the ability to talk about some things that are involved in criminal law because I represented criminals. And being an attorney, I know how to research. And I've researched the topic for today thoroughly. And I can assure you, before you start to laugh, not on a personal involvement level. Absolutely not. But today I'm going to talk about prostitution. Yes, that's right. Selling sex. Prostitution is one of those legal issues that creates a very, very intense debate and is likely going to remain an issue in America for years and years to come. In the second half of this show, I'm going to talk about different movements to decriminalize prostitution, but in most places except in Nevada, selling yourself for sexual services is illegal. Now, many feel prostitution is a victimless crime, only made dangerous As a result of the unregulated status and the fact that prostitutes can't turn to authorities for help when exposed to violence or other criminal acts. On the other hand, uh, there are those who feel that the prostitutes themselves are often the victims and point to human trafficking, slavery, and violence against prostitutes as proof of that point. So, regardless of which side of the debate you take, there's still a number of factual and legal considerations when it comes to prostitution in the United States. Let me talk about just for a moment or two the danger. Prostitution is one of the most dangerous professions in the country, worse than Alaskan fishermen, and if you know anything about that, those guys they are getting hurt all the time or loggers, right, loggers out west. Or oil rig workers, again, these are all pretty dangerous occupations. According to statistics that I was able to come up with, the death rate for prostitutes in the United States is 204 out of every 100,000. Now, that might not seem to you like a lot, but, you know, if you're a prostitute, I don't like those odds. For fishermen, it's only 129 out of every 100,000. The average prostitute gets physically, uh, but not lethally, thank goodness, attacked approximately once a month. Okay, so are you going to raise your hand and go into a job where someone attacks you once a month? The average prostitute um, goes through this life uh, for situations that are in need. They're dire. They need to do these things. At least that's what some of them uh, will tell you. One reason for these numbers is that prostitution is illegal in every state, as I said, except in, our, in Nevada. Um, prostitutes, they do. They face violence, and they have nowhere to turn without being arrested themselves. You know, hey, excuse me, Mr. Officer, that guy just beat the living daylights out of me. Oh, well, why is that? Well, because I'm a prostitute. Okay, you're arrested. Consequently, prostitutes, they're an easy target, and they even serve... Uh, as the butt of jokes about violence and murder on TV shows and in the movies. I mean, we've all seen that. Uh, The fact is that prostitutes in the United States get busted more often than johns or pimps by a huge margin. Every year in the United States, again, the stats that I was able to find, between 70,000 and 80,000 people are arrested for prostitution. This costs taxpayers over $200 million a year. That's a lot of money. The breakdown of arrests. Okay, you ready for this? 70% female uh, for prostitutes and madams, 20% for male prostitutes and pimps, and just 10% for the johns, the guys, the, uh, the the people who are buying the services. That equates to nine prostitutes and pimps being arrested for every one customer. The reasons for that vary, but the most obvious is it? It's much easier and cost-effective for law enforcement to answer ads or proposition obvious prostitutes on the street than to invest the time and manpower to attract Johns and then ambush them without issue as they attempt to consummate the transaction. Okay, so I'm setting the groundwork here. I want to just go off on a little tangent and talk about a couple of other these sex services. And just explain explain those away so we can get get back to the prostitute thing. A common question uh, in the area that I'm talking about for legal adult services is why certain sexual acts for money are legal and others are not. Now, this refers to exotic dancing, stripping, and pornographic films. The answer, is that in both situations they're only somewhat legal under certain circumstances and they may easily become illegal if a very thin line is crossed. So let's take stripping, exotic dancing. States and local municipalities are usually responsible to license the conduct and they provide regulations for how it may be conducted. While some places allow contact with patrons, okay, you know what I'm talking about, they call these lap dances, right? Others do not. Some allow full or partial nudity, and others do not. Some requires that performers be licensed, and others do not. So depending upon where you are, this is a real hodgepodge, and who knows the answer. Pornography, on the other hand, lives in a unique legal, what I'll call a gray area, gray zone. Just like prostitution, performers are paid for sex acts, but this is usually not considered illegal. Why not, you ask? What's the distinction? Usually it comes down to who is paying and the purpose for the sex. Okay, follow this. This is, you know, here's the law. If a third party pays two people to have sex while it's recorded, this is considered to be a performance for entertainment purposes. Okay, this is not watching Bambi. And a few cases have held that this is legal because preventing this conduct could stymie depictions of love scenes in more legitimate mainstream artistic films. Okay then, the question becomes much fuzzier if the person paying for the performance is also involved in the sex act, and it's not at all clear that simply recording the sex act makes it a legal performance versus simple prostitution. Okay, So I want to share a couple of uh, what I'll call sensational cases that if you are old enough and you followed the news as you go you know, through your life doing all kinds of fun things, you may have heard about these cases. And then I'm going to take a break, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to talk about some of the movement uh, in regard to the world of prostitution. So let's start with the former New York governor, Elliot Spitzer. He was forced to resign after being identified in an affidavit as Client 9 for the Emperor's Club VIP, a high-end prostitution ring that he paid thousands of dollars to have sex with a prostitute named Kristen, uh, whose name in reality uh, was Ashley Dupre. Um, Interestingly enough, maybe because of his status as the Gov, He did not face criminal charges. Well, okay, let's go over to the world of religion. Uh, Jimmy Swaggart, remember him? A private detective followed Swaggart to a Louisiana motel and took pictures of, uh, of the preacher with a prostitute. Swaggart came clean after ABC News broke the story on Nightline. He was crying and speaking to his congregation and a television audience saying something like, I've sinned against you, my Lord, and I would ask that your precious blood would wash and cleanse every stain until it isn't. Okay, I'm reading a quote, pardon my uh fumping the words. Um I'd ask that your precious blood would wash and cleanse every stain until it is in the seas of God's forgiveness. Okay, Jimmy, you're an otherwise good guy. We'll we'll let you we'll give you a we'll give you a pass on that, I guess. Well, here's one that, uh, you know, I'm in the Washington, D.C. area. Many of you grew up in this area or here. You might remember the D.C. madam. Deborah Jean Palfrey was convicted of racketeering for running a high-profile escort agency, Pamela Martin and Associates, in Washington, D.C. The agency allegedly serviced many high-profile government officials, including the ambassador of the United States Agency for International Development, Randall Tobias, also the former CEO of Eli Lilly, who resigned in the wake of the scandal. Uh, Palfrey was convicted of racketeering for running a high-profile escort agency. Um, This uh, this young lady, uh, uh, quite the entrepreneurist, right? Well, you know, again prostitution, being a madam, having a uh, a prostitution bordello, not allowed in D.C. But I am actually going to talk about a movement that was uh, circulating in Washington, D.C. in 2019, where there was an effort to try to decriminalize or, or legalize prostitution uh, when I come back from the break. Don't go too far. I know this is thrilling stuff. We'll see in just a bit. Okay, so this is one that I think maybe uh, might have been on one of those uh, evening shows that highlight sensational crimes. Uh, it sounds somewhat familiar, but uh, you have to hear this. This was all the way back in 1980. A woman named Lindy Lindy Chamberlain, right, was camping with her husband and two-month-old child, Azaria. Azaria disappears one night, and Chamberlain claims that a dingo snatched her from their tent and ate her. No one believed her, uh, would you? So she was charged and arrested for murder and convicted. A few years later, a piece of Azaria's clothing was found outside a dingo's lair. After spending three years behind bars, she was acquitted and released. Wow. Do you go camping? Beware the (laughs) dingoes.
0: It's break time here on The Merry-Go-Round. We want to give you value. So, do you need an attorney for an injury case or a criminal matter or something involving family law? Mr. Samico has the answer for you. Go to our podcast website, www.TheLegalMerryGoRound.com. Again, that's TheLegalMerryGoRound.com and click on the referrals tab. Then either fill out the form or call the telephone number where you can leave a detailed message that Mr. Samico will pick up and you'll get a response with a referral to an excellent attorney in your area within eight business hours. And the referral is free, no charge to you for this referral. So again, if you're looking for a lawyer that meets the highest standards, Paul is going to hook you up. And every attorney he refers to meets the highest standards, and Paul has checked them out for you. If you like what you're hearing from him during these shows, you know he's going to take care of you. So go to TheLegalMerryGoRound.com. And now, back to the show.
1: Okay, we're back. So, this is again the legal merry go round. It is wrongdoer Wednesdays. The topic today is prostitution. The question is, perhaps, should it be legalized? I want to share with you that I have always told everyone listening to this show to avoid the downs and savor the ups. And so before we go even one step further, uh, I would offer to you that prostitution still is one of the downs legally in our United States of America, except in Nevada. So if this is something you want to do, again, my friend, My thoughts avoid the downs. Now, that doesn't mean that in the future it will be a down, and that's kind of what we're talking here about today. And just as an aside, did you like that little story about the dingo? Wasn't that freaky? I feel bad for the family. I feel bad for the lady. I'm glad she was eventually exonerated. So I was talking at the very end of the first half about uh, some of the more salacious a celebrity, if you will, high known or you know, a uh, big folks in our country uh, uh, by their reputations or their status, who uh, went down the rabbit hole of of uh, being convicted of prostitution or being uh, being outed as having been involved. Remember Representative Barney Frank. He was an openly gay member of Congress, and he was the chairman of the House Financial Services Committee. Uh, he was reprimanded by the House in 1990 after admitting that he paid Steve Gobi a male escort for sex, while also later hiring this guy Gobi with personal funds as an aide. Gobi claimed to have operated a prostitution service with Frank's prior knowledge out of the congressman's Capitol Hill apartment. An ethics committee investigation found that Frank didn't know, as alleged, and that Gobi was using the Capitol Hill apartment for prostitution purposes. Okay, so, um, you know, the ethics committee uh, found out, uh, determined that Frank didn't know. Yeah, right. Anyway, uh, moving to uh, another fantastic personality, Jerry Springer. Yes, Jerry Springer. While serving as a Cincinnati city councilman, Springer's name turned up on a personal check for a prostitute services during a raid on a Kentucky brothel. Springer admitted he was at fault and resigned his post. His candor is said to have led to his being re-elected to the council and subsequent election to mayor. Springer went on to a syndicated television fame, as you know, and the host of the Jerry Springer Show. So the moral of that story is that just because you go down the rabbit hole once doesn't mean you can't climb back out of it. The Mayflower Madam, Sydney Biddle Barrows, known as the Mayflower Madam because of her family's heritage, started her own high-end escort service uh, by that name. It operated in New York City from 1979 until it was shut down by authorities in 1984. Some of her clients included high-powered business executives, foreign diplomats, and oil sheiks. Well, There's enough of that going around that you can see here and there, now and again in the papers, decades past all the way through up to today. Uh, If that kind of salacious news is interesting for you, you won't have any hard time finding it. I want to talk about the movement to decriminalize what has become known as sex work. Sex workers uh, have been fighting for decriminalization for generations. Um, And there have been movements in the various places in the United States uh, where politicians are listening. Um, There was an interview with a woman by the name of Tamika uh, here in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, She says everybody has sex. The only difference is that we charge for it. So Tamika, of course, is a sex worker, and she has been for more than 30 years. In that time, she says she's faced a stream of abusive behavior from, pol- from police. They've called me names, tell me what, that I was stupid, uh, that whatever happened to me out there, I deserved it. Well, the fact of the matter is that there is a financial toll for criminalization. There's a financial toll, as the laws exist, that, that prostitution is criminal. Repeated arrests and fines for doing sex work Uh, drove this woman, Tamika, into further poverty. Um, She, she at one point, advised that she had been homeless. She says that the penalties can take a toll on the families. Her children, she said at the time she gave the interview, were grown with children of their own. Um, And she said she even had a great-grandchild. But when they were young, the arrests really took away from my babies. So her solution, uh, the solution that she advises... Uh, is decriminalization and advocates, there are many of them, want prostitution to be legal. The removal of criminal penalties for selling and buying sex. Advocates say that getting rid of those penalties is the only way to keep sex workers safe from police harassment and the damaging effects of arrests and fines, and to guarantee them full human rights as workers in America. Okay, well, you know, I mean, that's there's two sides to every coin, right? Activists have been pushing for decriminalization worldwide for years, and they've had some successes in other countries. New Zealand removed criminal penalties all the way back in 2003. Amnesty International called for all countries to do so in 2016, but in the U.S., not so much. Now, the the term sex work really marked the beginning of a movement. Uh, the term was coined in 1978. It acknowledges the work that uh, these people do rather than defining them by their status. It's used to describe sex as a form of labor, according to many of the advocates. Uh, the uh, the The situation is it's situating uh, them in a framework of workers' rights, a framework under which workers advocates together for uh, workers can advocate together for economic, racial, and gender justice. In some states such as Arizona and Florida, repeated arrests for doing sex work can result in a felony conviction and prison time. In other states, like New York, sex work-related offenses are misdemeanors, punishable with fines and other penalties. But even then, people arrested for uh, sex work charges may be jailed uh, until trial if they can't make bail. They also point to, uh, advocates point to, I I saw this statistic, uh, one county in Virginia where a jail was forced to bring in 200 rollout beds after a raid uh, to accommodate a crackdown. I've mentioned the only state that allows it, that's legal, Nevada. Uh, The counties must have fewer than 700,000 residents. Bet you didn't know that. This excludes Clark County, where Las Vegas is located. So if you've been to Las Vegas and you wanted to go to one of those brothels, You have to go out of the boundaries of Las Vegas. Even in the legal counties, the sector is highly regulated. Sex workers can only work in licensed brothels and must be tested regularly for sexually transmitted infections and diseases. Well, unfortunately, like too many things in our country, um, there is an absolute skew and a bias. People of color, African Americans, are significantly more likely to be arrested for sex work related offenses than white people. According to Amnesty International, nearly 40% of adults and 60% of youth arrested for prostitution in the US are black, even though black Americans only make up about 12% of the population. In addition to exposing people to police violence, sex work arrests can take a toll on the workers' ability to support themselves and their families. A lot of times the courts are imposing fines and restitution on someone that's already impoverished, according to this woman, Tamika, that I talked about just a few minutes ago. In Washington, D.C., fines can be as much as $500 for a first offense. Being convicted uh, gives sex workers a criminal record, which can make it hard for them to find housing or non-sex work employment. It falls especially hard on trans women of color who already face employment discrimination. A survey by the DC Trans Coalition showed that more than 40% of trans respondents said they'd been denied a job because of of their gender identity, and 55% of black trans respondents were unemployed. So, you know, the sex workers rights movement worldwide has had a few wins I talked about it in New Zealand um, again that's a, a you know nice place have you ever been there I guess Global health and justice groups are calling for more and more decriminalization of sex work 2012 the World Health Organization the group in the in the news uh, most recently, uh, with their handling of the COVID uh, disease and the COVID pandemic, Uh, recommended, again, back in 2012, the country's work towards decriminalization. Um, I want to talk about the DC effort, because that was very interesting. I I actually recall all of this. It was only about uh, not too long ago, in 2019, there was a bill proposed that would decriminalize the selling and buying of sex in the nation's capital. But it didn't move forward lawmakers um, had numerous hearings there was an emotional hearing where thousands of of emails uh, represented the the will of the people if you wish uh, that were clearly uh, divided you know some yes and some no so the the council actually never took a vote if the bill had been approved uh, it would have, have eliminated criminal penalties for sex workers and their customers and it would have made Washington, D.C. the first American city to decriminalize prostitution. The controversy uh, generated by the proposal, D.C. council members were inundated, like I said, with messages and emails and spectators from all over the country. Uh, the controversy convinced the lawmakers that the city was not ready for a vote on the issue. Uh, both sides of the question, they seemed to agree nonetheless, that the district's prostitution laws did not adequately protect vulnerable residents and root out incidents of sex trafficking, but no alternatives were discussed. Supporters of the legislation here, the LGBTQ rights groups, the American Civil Liberties Union and public health organizations among them, said the bill would allow sex workers to safely report incidents of violence without fearing arrest and would better assist those who need housing or want to leave the industry. Now, on the other side, those who spoke out against the bill, a coalition of anti-trafficking advocates, sex trafficking survivors, religious leaders, and a lot of the district neighborhood commissioners warned that the city would become a de facto red light district. They said it would drive up demand while emboldening pimps and traffickers. Uh, one quote from uh, one of the uh, one of the the individuals here against the bill to separate prostitution from human trafficking is impossible. Uh, a human trafficking survivor, Janet Rodriguez, said at the hearing that she was forced to sell sex in Mexico and in the District. If you pass this law, you will all have blood on your hands. Well, folks, there's a lot of pros and a lot of cons for both positions about. Decriminalizing prostitution, I, um, I frankly believe that under the circumstances of safety, the circumstances of regulation, that it should be decriminalized. I believe that the toll on women who and men who sell themselves for sex. Uh, they do this for various reasons. There's no moral judgment on my part here. You know, sometimes they have to do that. Sometimes that's the only thing they can do. Sometimes they choose to do that, I guess. But I think the country is at a point where we certainly have the ability to regulate this so that everyone is safe. Look at the models in New Zealand. Uh, Look at what's going on in uh, the state of Nevada. Nevada. That's just my two cents, but this is my podcast, so I get to give that to you. Anyway, I hope you're doing well. Avoid the downs. Savor the ups. Thank you for tuning in. Please, please, if you like what I'm doing here, give me a review. Uh, Listen as often as you can. Subscribe. I'll look forward to talking to you on Friday again when we have my show, The Fender Bender Fridays. Be good.
0: Thanks for listening to The Legal Merry-Go-Round. We hope you enjoyed our show. Tune in next time to get a better understanding of real-life legal situations.